Welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of building and growing businesses through the power of technology. I'm your host, Stephen Cawley, and today we dive into the topic of creating an effective product data-driven business. In today's fast-paced and highly competitive business landscape, organizations face a constant challenge of staying ahead of the curve. In order to thrive, businesses need to leverage the vast amounts of data available to them transforming into actionable insights and informed decisions. At Evolution, we enable our clients to find the very best talent in the marketplace through all aspects of technology, from support through to business leaders. Now to introduce you to my guests, Marcus, Sean and Nick, if you would like to introduce yourselves and give us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Marcus Hunter. I'm the CTO of Every.com. Um, been with Every for five years now. Through that journey, I've seen quite a lot of change, uh, especially wrapped around um, uh, consumer habits. Uh, and that has meant that we've had to change the way that we worked from a technology and a product way. So I've seen the transition uh, and the inclusion of project and product uh, to provide fantastic products to our customers. Hi, I'm Sean O'Neill. Uh- the past 25 years at the intersection of commerce, consumer behavior, and data-driven feedback loops. I'm the chief product officer at GFK, a KKR-backed business in the big data and market insight space. And I spent long cycles at Amazon, Tesco, and startups in building teams that build products that customers love. Hi, my name is Nick Lamproponus. I'm the CEO and founder of uh, Shapes and Numbers, a digital innovation agency. Um, so my experience for the last 20 years has been uh, in the wider media, marketing and advertising world, uh, and I'm really happy to be part of this podcast today. Brilliant. Thank you all. Okay, let's get into the questions. So the first question of the day is, how do you validate that you are building the right thing, gaining confidence on the jobs to be done and the product market fit of your concept? Who would like to go first? I'll jump in first as the product guy. This is such a fundamental question. I've seen so many teams so enamored with the thing they're building and doing all the right work to build it beautifully, but without asking, does the universe really need this? And it is an incredible shame to waste such precious cycles of your development and design and data capacity on something that nobody wants or needs or will pay for. So one of the first things you really want to do here is understand who is your audience? Who are you building it for? And what else do they do to get their job to be done? There's a fantastic book that I recommend to people from Clayton Christensen called Competing Against Luck, where he really goes deep into this concept he created called Jobs to Be Done. And it allows people to open their minds of who are their real competitors. And oftentimes, your biggest competitor is the customer chooses nothing. They just go without. So uh, very important to ask the right questions and validate early and often on these risky assumptions. Marcus? So I, I absolutely agree with Sean. And I think, obviously, understanding the business strategy at the same time and not making sure that you, you tune into that business strategy through your experimental stages and don't be absolutely afraid to stop things. If they're not articulating or showing the value at the right stage, just stop it, review it, and then refocus back on what the mission is for that product. And from my side, I, I, I totally agree with both of you guys. Um, 
I think there is this obsession pretty much about building uh, a product right, but we're not looking about building the right product in advance, right? How do we make sure that uh, what we're building uh, has an audience, uh, has a purpose and solves a problem, addresses specific needs? Uh, thankfully, we have a lot of data uh, and we have progressed a lot with the whole analytics side of things so that we can test any kind of hypothesis, we can perform research, we can understand what audiences, what users need uh, before we launch anything. Uh, and we have a way to actually, and I'm a big fan of uh, Christensen that Sean mentioned earlier, um, and there is a concept called uh, discovery-driven planning where you can test any kind of hypothesis first uh, and make sure that you get everything right and what assumptions need to be uh, addressed uh, in order for a product to work, right? So whichever way also you you employ, whether it is, you know, from a lean uh, perspective or from a design thinking in terms of understanding your user needs, what they all have in common is that you build something that you are prepared to continuously monitor and make sure that it uh, it is the right fit for the market. And I, I love Marcus's point as well on what is the business strategy, because you can build the right thing for someone else's business, but not your own? And does it fit your own strategy? And one of the very powerful tools that I've used over the years is ensuring your team's aligned to outcomes and those outcomes line up to your business strategy. And that at least is like a North Star compass that helps your teams know if we improve these figures, these numbers, that is a good validation. We're on the right track as we're iterating to get to the right product market fit. It's really got to line up to your business strategy, though, and your business outcomes overall. Um, one of the most fundamental points is ensuring your teams can speak to their stakeholders about how the work they're doing joins up to outcomes those stakeholders care about. This is one of the biggest points of frustration and dissent across businesses is when teams fail to explain how their work contributes to the overall outcomes. I absolutely sure and sort of agree with that because you've got to look at all the layers of the cake in this. Yeah. And one of them is flow. Yeah. And reduce that communication channel. So having the people who are building it speaking to the end consumer as well as the business side of the proposition, yeah, is key. And that's not interpreted any different as well. So it's having that focus, the ability to communicate and share through this experimental stage, getting the right data and the insights underpinning that. And I think you'll come out with a better product. But I think, I mean, when you've gone down so far in, a, in a, an act of development for a product, I think having the strength to pause and reset is quite key. And you need strong individuals and an understanding that you can do that and buy in from stakeholders customers as well because it might be too much too soon for a customer so it's having that interested bite-sized delivery model to be able to do that but with the goals and missions and the vision on top of that wrapped around that and share them as you go along brilliant great thanks for the input on that um okay uh to drive the next question i've i want to take us in a slightly different direction of of of, of starting and because we've got a mixture of businesses here that will be startups to developed businesses so if people are going to be doing this from uh, from the from scratch how do you build based on your three's experience the perfect product team from the view of a cto a cpo a cdo 
and what capabilities uh, would you prioritize? Uh, Nick, if I can come to you first. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I think, again, um, building on top of the, the, the previous question, so how do you make sure you build the, the right product and not just your product right? Um, because I know traditionally we've been looking into getting the, the most talented technical teams, right? Making sure that you have the right designers, developers, uh, product owners, product managers, which is definitely something that you need to bring together uh, from a talent skill set perspective. Uh, however, I would say um, to test the hypothesis to build this connection with the market and the audience, I think, and be able to analyze the wealth of data that is available uh, today, we need an additional kind of skill set. We need to be able to have researchers, analysts, uh, I would say, uh, and, you know, to be able to build this kind of uh, customer development practice, uh, if you prefer, people who understand what it is to build kind of relationship with uh, your audiences, making sure that what you're building is always uh, responding to their needs. So I think to summarize this, you know, having data savvy uh, teams uh, who can actually at any point analyze this wealth of information and be able to respond to that but also uh, build the right relationship with key business, internal and external stakeholders, in addition to your technical team is, is uh, key to your question. So building on Nick, which I absolutely agree with, coming from a CTO's point of view, I, I've got to make sure that the right resources and skill set and capability and capacity are there to help fulfill and service that product way of working. And looking at the product way of working as well is wrap the North Star technology strategy over that product first so we know where we're going to get to, yeah? And then the idea is to chunk all them initiatives up which are underpinned by data. So for me, it's key to understand where you want to get to. You may not actually get there, but it's where you want to get to. Number two is data can you access the data that you want at the time that you want it as well is it a proposition that will stand up how do you know it's going to stand up what's the use of it at today what's the use of it in other companies etc etc so having the right access into data is key so sorting out your data lakes you might not have access to the right data at the right time um and also the speed to market as well so the right resources the right capability and that's going down to the depth of you know is your agile engineering being able to cater for the demands of the product initiative at that moment in time as well so it's a system of work that's underpinning your technology now style wrapped around your data will help make sure that you can gauge whether that product is fit for market so I am convinced that organizational design is a hidden superpower. And uh, I started at Tesco in 2014. I was there for five years. The new CEO coming in in 2014, Dave Lewis, started the same week I did. And within four weeks, there was a massive accounting scandal of 250 million pounds of revenue overstatement. Sky is falling, stock price is falling, credit ratings are falling. And within three months, we had a massive headquarters restructure, losing 10,000 people, 10,000 in three months. That was the first of six major reorganizations during my five years at Tesco. And it taught me an awful lot. Uh, one point to know is an organization is an answer to a business question. In fact, it's the answer to the previous business question. 
And too many people take organizations and teams as a fixed thing they have to work around as opposed to being able to adapt it. And organizations are not meant to be static. They should flow over time. So when I think about building the perfect team, I think about what should that team look like today? What should it look like in three months as an organization? What should it look like in six months or nine months? How does it evolve based on the milestones of progress I expect this team to do? Because if we're working on a new concept and there is nothing yet, maybe I've got one developer, half a product manager, a quarter of a designer, and a quarter of an analyst to just work on getting it to the next stage of a concept to be worthy of funding with more people. And as it progresses over time, I think about how do I add the right resources and skills to go faster. But you also have to keep in mind, what's my budget? You can't just put 100 data scientists onto some project if the total addressable market is only 100,000 pounds worldwide. You really have to think about what's the problem I'm solving? What's the budget and constraints I've got in time and money? And what is the overall um, organization that will help us get there? I think the next important thing about building a productive and effective team is how do I empower this team to be successful? And you really need to think about is speed the most important thing for this team to run fast and they need to have all skill sets and it doesn't matter if the interface they build looks nothing like anything else or is consistency matter? Do you really need to make sure that this looks and feels like it belongs in your suite of all your other products and services? And therefore you need more of a group level coordination on your design and your interface and your information architecture. So, you know, there is no one perfect organization, but you do need to remember that the org is an answer to a business question. And what is the most important thing you need to solve? Then you can help figure out the right org for it. On that part, can I just ask a quick question? Because obviously I deal with uh, quite a lot of staffing and, uh, and building of organizational design. Um, when do you decide that the product is fit for investment if you're not sure you've got the right half a product manager and developer and analyst on that product so you believe in in the concept of the idea but they've taken not taken that inception and grown it so when do you say oh they're the wrong people we should still invest in this and, and drive business through it uh, versus saying that's not a good idea because they can't make it work. Therefore, it's not the right thing to build. There's a couple dimensions there. One is, do I believe in the total addressable market analysis? Do I believe in our understanding of this is how big the universe is? This is the pain people have. And how poorly served is that market today? Because it may turn out that the market is poorly served in some aspect that consumers don't care about enough to pay for it. So just because there's pain doesn't mean there's a product market opportunity. So you first have to think, do I really believe the opportunities there? Then if so, maybe your first attempts prove that those don't work, but there could be other, other ways. Maybe you have to think about um, your go-to-market. There could be a lot of other dimensions that maybe you've got a good product, but you don't have the right go-to-market sales team with the right access to a new client base you've never sold to before. So maybe you need to think, different distribution. It, it really comes back to, is the business opportunity sound? And then what is our reason to win as a business? Do we really have some unique competitive advantage in assets, in current client relationships, um, in momentum that makes it make me think, think we should win in this space? Uh, I wouldn't just chase after what other competitors are doing. I mean, I remember at times when I was running 
Tesco e-commerce for all the product, there were features we launched and we're running. And then as we were A-B testing them, we found that they were just mediocre at best. And we later turned them off. And right around when we turned off those features, our other competitors launched a copycat of the same features. So just because your competitor is doing it doesn't mean it's good business. It just means they're trying it. I think the test, John, is absolutely with the customer who you're going to serve to at the end of the day as well. Yeah, so you've got to get, obviously, your voice of the customer, your research, you could do surveys, your prototyping. Uh, and you could rise up off the back of that and get the feedback with focus groups and et cetera. And then segment them users into, you know, certain aspects of it. You know, we look at obviously, can you find, can you buy things? Can you sign up? Can you manage them? Can you support them, track them, resolve them, et cetera? Yeah. And if you've got ticks in so many boxes, then Steve, I think, I think you'd be looking at ramping that up as more of a, a solid business case based on the experience and the material that you've got through data and et cetera, and that user segmentation audience. And if I can add to this, um, I think there's there's a couple of interesting points here. One is, um, first of all, investors buy into the idea, buy into the, you know, the vision, if you prefer as well. So if you've done your uh, homework and if you've done the... Um, the research that it requires to be able to validate the use case for your business, right? Then that gives them uh, the confidence as well to to invest in your product and essentially your vision, I would say. And the second element is um, you can always make tactical changes and tactical decisions in terms of changing the team, bringing other key players in the team, but as long as they serve the same vision, right? Which, by the way, don't get me wrong. Another element that is super important is to be able to adapt, right? At any point, you cannot set anything in stone. You need to be able to pivot and you need to be able to make the necessary changes. Okay, perfect. Uh, that I think that perfectly leads us on to now. Uh, my final question is, how do we pair data products with the strategy in order to create those new uh, business models? Um is, would anyone like to go first on this one? I can I can take this one first. Um, so I think it's kind of the chicken and the egg, right? So obviously, um, data products and data have to work hand in hand with uh, the business strategy these days. Um, so data can and data products can inform the business strategy, uh, but also can be the outcome of the right business strategy. So. Um, in terms of the the former, um, we've seen and you know uh, cases where um, uh, the uh, you know executives do all the research. They make sure that you know they factor in all the right data in order to be able to define this business strategy um, for you know the foreseeable future. Obviously, strategy these days, given the uncertainty and the, the the circumstances, cannot be a long-term thing that you do in advance and then you forget about it. So it's something that constantly you might have to revisit, you might have to to review. Um, there is also this this thing about you know uh, having a deliberate strategy and versus the the emergent strategy. So what it is that you think you're going to go with in the first place versus what you end up going with, right? Given the uh, the, the the triggers that you get from the market, from you know your environment. So um, and also in terms of um, the business strategy outcome, uh, realizing the potential that you have with your data uh, these days can lead you to a number of different ways to monetize this, right? So you can update your business model. There are so many 
uh, examples out there of businesses that started trying to service one specific segment or deliver one type of product, but then after they got the, the, the feedback from the market, they had to completely change the direction, right? And the direction of travel, they ended up providing a completely different offering, a completely different value proposition. And this is something we always need to consider. So um, we start with, you know, to, to move from A to B, but then there are so many other uh, points in between that we need to consider and we need to be open to. So embrace change, I would say as well, but keep in mind that you always need to validate uh, your strategy with data. This is the business that GFK is in. We are in the data and insights business. Uh, we help the biggest brands in the world run their consumer brand companies better all over for price elasticity, competitive landscape, market share, consumer sentiment, lost shoppers, um, very broad range of insights here. And what's first and foremost is what is the market you're serving and how can you serve them better? So it always comes back to a jobs to be done to guide it. But there's real power in taking different data sets that maybe previously were hard to join up and bringing them together. Many of our clients tell us we are drowning in data. We need answers. So it's not enough to just shove a big data block over the, the till and, and push it into a, a customer's hands. They don't want the data. They want answers of how to move next with confidence. And so you really got to solve what's their next decision they need to make. But in this point of bringing data together, there was a really interesting example early on at Amazon when I was there. Uh, this was a different team. I wasn't in this team, but back around, I think 2000, 2001, the um, keyword buying and, and traffic generation side of the business had a very long tail. So buying Google keywords to drive traffic. Amazon was a huge advertiser on it. And at the time, Amazon still had a marketing team working with agencies to figure out what keywords it had a bid on it. And um, one of the engineers uh, at Amazon and another team said, hey, you know, we have a search engine on Amazon as well. And we know exactly when somebody searches for Cuisinart or Cuisinart replacement blade, which is a very high conversion keyword term, we know what the conversion rate is and we know what the expected revenue is per query. And frankly, we know what the profitability is because Amazon had such clear data. Amazon could figure out what was a new keyword uh, traffic landing on Amazon worth. And they used that to bid down the long tail of data on Google and other search engines to drive traffic. So Amazon basically created an arbitrage. They knew which keywords had a ceiling to don't overbid on, and they knew which long keywords very few people were bidding on that they had a very high conversion like a replacement part for a blender. And that allowed Amazon to radically lower their cost of acquisition uh, and bring in a whole bunch of new customers and drive sales because they could bring these data sets together, their internal search conversion data with a margin estimate, and then drive their bidding. So we're going to find many other new opportunities as these data sets that previously were locked away in, in someone's back office suddenly come to light. And I look forward to seeing what we can do next with them. I, I, I can agree with both Sean and Nick, to be honest with you. You can insights are key. And, and, that, and collecting all the data, first of all, fundamentals, yes, do that. Then leverage the insights, but the right insights. And yes, absolutely, things do change. Things do come on. You do, you do find new capabilities. Um, take the post-it note, for example, yeah? It accidentally found that it had glue that wasn't sticky. Yeah. So they've developed the bus, you know, from that. 
And now that is the most used item I've ever seen in my life, to be honest with you. They're all over the place. So I think being able to change and modify and create something new, it's all backed by data. And having that new capability is key. And then confirm your outcomes as well. So reflect on what you've delivered. And you can do that again through data and the insights that you've collected, the take-up, you know, as it as it delivered value, might have grown your your organization, it might have grown your underpinning EBITDA, it might have grown all sorts of capability as well to enable future operating models success. So I would say that yes, absolutely. Uh data is key. The insights is even more. When does um can I just add this while and anyone can answer this is when does the marketplace ift enough to move your strategy as a business? So I, I'm always interested how that affects technology. I understand what happens from a sales perspective in our business. The marketplace is very key and we see reactions and we obviously shift and move to that. How does that affect technology in the back end? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you have to make sure that you're equipped to be big agile. Don't like saying agile, but it's, it's to, and being able to break up in an iterative so you can break off and go down another route. So it's like your big A-B testing, I suppose, really, in relation to that. And having the technology underpinning it to be able to change quickly is key. So you talk about, you know, data houses, data lakes, yeah, and that's providing quite a lot of insight so as soon as the market and the competitors change, then you're being able to grab hold of that as well. And having that flywheel of your business to see what happens when customers change, you know, your clients change, and your, I suppose, your infrastructure, I'm talking operational as well as technology infrastructure change, what effect does that have on the outcomes of the bit and the opportunities around that? E.g., to your point, Steve, COVID. Who would have planned for COVID? Yeah. Is there opportunity around COVID? Absolutely. Who would have thought that masks would have gone up in price? Yeah, paper masks, etc. Who would have produced paper masks? Yeah, we, we saw loads of new manufacturers as well. You've got to be able to run to them uh, items as well. And then how do you retain customers when things change back? Yeah, so COVID, everybody went back to the shops again. So as a parcel delivery company, yeah, you have to be able to cater for new emerging markets as well as manage your uh you know you you your foundational clients as well so it's tying tying that enablement from a business value to the business strategy and the your competitors as well as the marketplace as well sean yeah i mean i think it it's an interesting question the market doesn't work for your strategy your strategy works for the market and uh I think many cases, people will do a, a business case if they ever even do a business case, and then they put it in a drawer somewhere and just run for three to five years. You need to continually check your total addressable market is still valid, that there hasn't been shocks or disruptions. You know, Disruption is a term for the losers in the industry. You never hear a winner say, we disrupted. You never hear a customer say, I totally disrupted taxis by taking an Uber. Disruption is a word for the losers who did not keep up with the market moving onward. And their proposition suddenly is out of position and they're overinvested in it and then they're stuck. So the market is the master here. And you've got to make sure that you are keeping tabs on what does what do your clients need and how do you ensure your strategy adapts 
to keep up with it. I, I would also comment on this, and I agree with both Marcus and Son. Um, however, I, th I, I think I'm trying to see this from a slightly different angle. Obviously, again, being able to adapt, get the receive the signals and analyze the signals from the from the market uh, is super critical. However, there is disruption as well that sometimes you cannot predict or you cannot uh, kind of incorporate in advance. Examples are, you know, we, we're all experiencing these days, you know, the, um, I guess, uh, spread or and rollout of generative AI, for example, in ChatGPT. We, we can all experience the, the disruption that that brought in so many different industries, right? And in so many different companies. I bet so many business strategies have started differently in the last few months, right? And so many companies were planning to do things differently. However, that disruption itself that was introduced by generative AI has led them to follow different paths as well, which again, it's, it ties back to the adaptability uh, element. Uh, but, you know, there are things as Marcus mentioned earlier, COVID as well, that, you know, uh, will make sure that uh, will change your plans. So I, I would say, how do you go about, um, first of all, uh, getting the signals from the market, making sure that you have this open channel uh, and a continuous loop of feedback, but also how do you embrace chaos? Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Um, I just want to wrap this all up and say, whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur looking to launch a data-driven startup or an established business leader seeking to transform your organization. I hope this podcast gave you practical insights and inspiration. I would like to thank all of my guests, Marcus, Sean, and Nick for being part of this. Uh, if you would like help to navigate these challenges and reap the rewards of building an effective product data-driven business, please reach out and I hope to speak soon. Thank you all.